exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. And welcome back. Another week here. This is 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I'm your host here at the Spartan Sports Wrap, Alex Sharg, as usual. And to my left, David DeFever is back again in the hot seat this week, but not really too hot because the ones in the hot seat this week are really those Michigan Wolverines after that cruel loss to Alabama the other night. But David... Tell me what's going on. What have you been following lately in the world of sports? It's great to have you back. Yes, it's great to be back on the show. Got to catch the full MSU game. Got to see the whole Michigan game. Haven't heard much anything new about the NHL lockout, but um, it's been great. We just have labor happy Labor Day to everyone today. Uh, haven't had school in a while. It's nice to get that extra break, but glad to be back on the show. Oh, yeah, definitely not too excited about going back tomorrow, but of course, great to be back on the show today. Uh, For those of you who are just tuning in, and and if this is your first time listening in general, I hope your move into MSU went well, whether that be MSU, whether that be if you're from San Jose State University, or if you're in Florida, or even Israel. We have listeners all over the country on this show. Thank you for all those who who choose to tune in time and time again and support the Spartan Sports Wrap here. Uh, A great lineup on the show today. Basically, for those of you who have not listened before, this is how the show works. At the beginning of each show, We have a question of the week. How it works is every week, David and I and the rest of the future sports team that will will eventually be here will be giving away prizes each week to those who who will guess the question of the week correctly. So every week we have a new question and and most of the time a new prize and we'll see and we'll, we'll test your sports knowledge. If you're listening, if you're listening online or over the air on the FM dial, we will be testing your sports knowledge week in and week out and you have a chance to win a future prize. And this week, since last week, we asked the question, and nobody got the question correct. We're going to ask the same exact question this week, which is, when was the last time Miguel Cabrera, the man himself, missed a baseball game due to injury? Now, you have to look at this, and remember, the last time Miguel Cabrera missed a game was probably three or four weeks ago when he had to sit out, if, if Jim Leland was giving him a day's rest, but when was the last time he missed a game due to injury? If you know the answer, and if you want to win Peter Bucks this show, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, the Twitter name is at 89FM Sports Rap, or feel free to call in 517 432 3893 is the number as usual. Calling in or tweeting is also okay. Either one works for us here at the Sports Wrap. But if you know the answer, you will maybe win some Pita Pit bucks. Uh, today's winner, you, you will receive a gift certificate courtesy of Pita Pit. And if you want more information about it, it can be found online at www.pitapit.com. The Impact would like to thank Pita Pit for their continued support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. So, David, we have our question of the week out there. You're you're monitoring the Twitter today. Yep. Any 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 people like tweeting in yet? What no, are you, what are you looking at over there? I haven't got a hunch, but it's 
We all know that Miguel Cabrera doesn't get injured often, so that might throw a few people off. But Absolutely. Now, usually we work the first person to tweet or call in with the correct answer wins, but this week we have a random number that we are selecting. We're not going to tell you over the air because if it's number three or number four, let's say the third caller or the fourth tweeter, then you're going to wait and you're, and you're going to try to maybe cheat the system a bit. So we at the Sports Wrap, we're not going to let that happen here. So if you know the answer to the question, feel free to tweet or call in at any point during the show, even to express opinions about any topics we are talking about. You're always welcome to call in during the show. And as usual, we also have our, our, our goon of the week, which takes place at the end of every single show. This week is a pretty funny goon. It was actually on ESPN Sports Center. It was on the Not Top 10 Plays. It was actually number one. So we're going to talk about that and how this rarely happens. Also, because of what has happened in recent weeks, we have our infamous Ocho Zero segment. What this is, is because there's a guy who has just dropped from the Miami Dolphins named Chad Johnson. And this guy, week in and week out, has created the biggest stir that David, that frankly I've seen in quite a while. And it's amazing to me to see how this media responds week and week out. How this media keeps giving him the attention. How Twitter followers around the world love this guy because of what he brings with his attention. Now, because of this, this segment will be happening week in and week out with a new piece of information about Chad Johnson until this guy ends it. Till he, frankly, shuts up. You know what I mean, David? Yes, definitely. So <laughs> that's going to be always on the show. We're going to talk about that in a minute here. But also, coming up at 7.10, four minutes from now, you want to stay tuned in. We have our first special guest of the year. Many special guests to come throughout the year, as well as future prizes. David here has, has gone out. He's got Pita Pit. He even got some Cozy, some Cozy reward cards, and we've got a, a great store of, of different of different prizes throughout the year and special guests as well. So you definitely want to want to keep that dial tuned in throughout the year. Now, starting off the show today, we're talking Chad Ocho. Excuse me, Chad Ocho Zero. First, the guy was cut from the Dolphins. Then he had to deal with the domestic abuse. Then he changed his name from Ocho Cinco back to Johnson. And now he's trying to pay off all the loans, all this, this, this bad mortgages he has on all his homes. And now he's just basically created the biggest stir in the media. Now, guess what Chad Johnson came out with today, David? If you didn't know this before, what would I you did. say? Take a guess. I did what did Chad Johnson do this time? The whole Madden thing? Absolutely. Is it, yeah. <laughs> this is honestly... I mean, I, I've I've seen a lot of different tweets out there from athletes, but this one, this just sounds like a little child. Just, 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 it's, it's, it's amazing. It's it's a whiner. And what Chad Johnson did come out and, and really tweet this past week was he was very upset that he wasn't in the new Madden 13 game. He he was cut from the Miami Dolphins, making him you know that 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 cut was before the game was released. So since yeah. he was cut before. Chad Johnson and Madden 2013 and Xbox, PlayStation, whatever that may be, Chad Johnson is not on any roster. Now, Chad Johnson, going out to the media and tweeting about it, he was very upset. He tweets, quote, That awkward moment when you realize you're not on Madden 13 and have to create yourself. End quote. And this is a guy who has 3.7 million tweet followers, Twitter followers. And with a guy with this much following on, on Twitter... I got to ask you, David, and I ask the listeners, feel free to call in at any point. Was this a legitimate issue to be upset about? Was he calling a little bit too much for attention? And, and overall, I want to hear your thought, th- thoughts, David. Does Chad Johnson distract Twitter people way too much? He He's on a line. That's what he is. And he, everything bad is happening to him, and he just wants more attention, even though 
he's not part of the football world. We, yeah, we were excited to see what he was going to do in Miami if he was going to come around. Then we see all this, the divorce stuff, the hitting of the wife, and now he's just drawing attention with a video game. And, and according to the wife, it was a headbutt. A he- oh, a headbutt. It, it wasn't quite a hit, but the, the girl did have to get six stitches because of it also. Oh, okay. So now we're getting a little aggressive now. Oh, ju- just, so, just a little so bit. So then he gets dropped from the Dolphins, and now about a video game. I mean, this is what first... Time users of Twitter say the kids in middle school and stuff like that are are saying them creating it, and then Chad Johnson to come out. He just it's just childish. I'm, I'm sick of him, and he's and to to make the point that he's not even in the NFL anymore. It's just yeah. Now I ask you, how do you draw the line between what is considered a fair tweet and what is considered too much distraction? Now this tweet, you would say. I'm, I'm, yeah. I can agree here. Th- this is a little bit too distracting. It's, it's a little much. It's a little Especially much. Especially for how old and immature you should be at this age. Okay, I'd beg to differ, but we'll, we'll consider that right now. Now, with that statement, what is the fine line between what is a distraction and what you would consider a legitimate tweet by Chad Johnson? Oh, geez. L- listen, <laughs> if Chad Johnson came out and, and tweeted, I wish I was an NFL team, it's amazing these guys don't look at me. Now, a tweet like that, you that, got that, to take into consideration. And for those of you listening, that is not displayed in the in the views of Chad Johnson whatsoever. This is just just you know a, a foresay, you know a a devil's advocate kind of statement. So let, let's say like Chad Johnson tweeted, "I wish teams would take another look at me. They don't know what I can bring." Now, is that being obnoxious and whiny, or is that just you know the heart of football? Is that the passion for this sport that that he should have before the video game tweet or after the video oh, game tweet? Oh, regardless. <laughs> okay. I mean, they should give him a shot. I, I mean, I'm not saying they should. I mean, he's done everything bad to get kicked off a team and off the field issues. You just don't know what the guy is going to bring to your team because of what I'll all t- the I'll, media I'll t- and all that sure, stuff that he brings sure, along I'll, with him. I'll tell you what he will bring. He'll bring a marriage that lasts 41 days before he gets a divorce. <laughs> That is the one thing Chad Johnson will bring. But if you think otherwise, the listeners, feel free to call in as usual. 517-432-3893 is the number. Or tweets at 89FM Sports Rap. If you know our question of the week, if you want to ask David or myself a question here on the Sports Rap, feel free to tweet or call in as usual. David, news on the Twitter feed. Anybody get that question of the week right yet? No, not yet. Come on, people. People are pro- hey, people are probably looking this up. People. This is not an this easy. This is not an easy one. Hey, but if you want those pita bucks, you're gonna really have to search this for it. This will test your knowledge of baseball. Yeah, and, of and, Miguel Cabrera, shall we and say? And more Miguel Cabrera. I mean, this guy. And, and touching on that for a second here, this guy constantly, time and time again, is always in the MVP discussion. Yes, and, and it's amazing. He he produces the consistent numbers year in and year out. He's 29 years old now, and he's still every year always in that MVP talk. Yes. He shows up to play every year. Um, the Tigers were all excited about Prince Fielder and everything, but then I was watching the game last night, steps up to the plate against the White Sox, and you hear yeah. the fans chanting MVP. They just know what he brings to the Tigers organizations, and we're all grateful for that. Absolutely. Coming up now within minutes, we have our first special guest of the year. Uh, giving away a little bit of a hint, he is the State News football beat writer, just newly promoted. I can't wait to have him on the show. A longtime friend. We go way back. Uh, excited to have him and what he thought of the Michigan State Spartans' first game as well. But, David, you and I both were at the game, both yep. with the many different views during that game, You know, from the press box that you were on the field a little bit, all over the stadium. I know we talked about this. But yep. for, the, for the listeners out there, tell, tell, 
tell tell the listeners, David, what you thought about that game. Overall thoughts, just to start it off. Overall thoughts, I I told everyone that they were going to have a slow offensive start. I just knew it under Andrew Maxwell, under the lights. But then Le'Veon Bell, you know, gave him a little cushion room. They, you know, he started to generate things, and that's when the offense kind of took off. But I knew the defense knew they were going to come out and stop Boise right away. You know, the energy in that place just hyped all the players up, and they come out and, I mean, perform for everyone. And it's and it's nice to see that, that they don't have any of the jitters. But on the offensive end, you could see there's a couple passes by Maxwell. They just slipped away from him. A couple of the interceptions, bobbled balls, deflection, really not much that he can do about that. But overall, I think Maxwell, he turned around in the second half and... I think he got used to the the setting, and now the next home game we have against Notre Dame, I think he's going to be more he's going to be more ready for that. He's, he knows the environment of the at home under the lights, and who better to do it against Andy and hopefully keep that uh, home winning streak. That'll oh be two yeah, in a, two in a row. Oh under the lights. yeah. And besides for the fact of that home winning streak, I'm just hoping that the guy can 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 keep the composure that he displayed in that first game. That must have been such a tough experience for a guy to go yes. in, you know, replacing a guy who was a Big Ten keynote speaker, you know, now playing pretty well with the Redskins. A lot of big shoots to step in. And yes. this guy comes in facing a 24-ranked Boise team who's who's pretty, you know, they're yeah, pretty they're, they're good upset a, team. Yeah, not a cakewalk for right. the first game. That's exactly. For sure. Definitely no cakewalk. And, and, and he went in there, and for the most part, you know, he didn't play, you know, he didn't play like a, a Big Ten First team All American, but he he got the job done. He got the win for the team, and his leadership skills, you know, that they were seen by his teammates. His teammates were consistently by him the whole time. But I got to ask David, and I ask the listeners as well. Feel free to call in as always. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number. But also feel free to call in. Um, just in a minute. Also, we will be having our special guest, uh, our first one of the year. Can't wait to have him on the show. And I think he's actually calling in right now. Is you are on the FM Sports Rap? Hello. Hi. Josh Mansour. Yes. How are you? For ladies and gentlemen, if you are just tuning in and if you are listening, we have our very first special guest of the year. Josh Mansour is the MSU football beat writer for the State News. Josh, it's great to have you on the show. We go way back, more than most people here at this school, actually. But I'm wondering, Josh. You were at that first game with me in the press box. You saw a lot of things. Just just to start, I want to hear your opinions on that game, what you saw, what you liked, and, and basically this team overall and, and your prediction. Well, I think early on, at first initial glance, it looked kind of bad. Uh, Maxwell looked a little off, a little flustered after, four, four, after the 4-4 four, four, four start. Uh, but he really seemed to settle, settle down in the second half. He went 11 for 16, mm-hmm. uh, threw for over 150 yards, didn't turn the ball over. So I think there's some positive signs there. Uh, but ultimately, I think you win a tough game against a, a top 25 team, you've got to feel good about that at the beginning of the year. Oh, absolutely. And, and you saw that game. You saw you, you interviewed this guy, Maxwell, weeks before he even set, set foot on that field. Did you at any point have any... Uh, I don't know, any apprehension about the confidence you must have in the guy like this? Or were you pretty confident with what the guys were saying in the locker room about this guy? I, I was confident just because the one word they kept saying with him over and over was swag, which was, which was kind of funny that he wears Tom Brady sleeves and, and carries himself like Philip <laughs> Rivers. But, yeah. but that's sort of what he's known for. So I, I was expecting him to come out and, and not be rattled. And 
when he went four for four and led him on a touchdown in the opening drive, it was, it was real impressive. Uh, so I, I think the way that he rebounded in the second half actually shows a lot more about who he is uh, mm-hmm. because he battled some adversity and was able to show something from that. Now, now, what do you think really led him to that adversity and, and that confidence in the second half? And, and what was it in that first half that really let him struggle at, at the beginning of the game? I think the biggest thing was, was just sort of a, a lack of, of rhythm with the receivers. I think that he went away from Deion Sims a little bit. Uh, I, I talked to him a few weeks ago about the importance of, of Deion Sims because since uh, both Maxwell and his receivers are inexperienced, sure. uh, Deion's actually played a lot. Yeah. He's got big size. He has that experience. Uh, he said that Deion yeah, was going to be very critical, and he went back to him in the second half, and that was big for him. Uh, but but Lippitt, you know, I think is a is a is a very good young player, but he yeah. he had the ball bounce off his hands and then fumbled the key play. So so those things can kind of build off each other, and I think in the second half he's able to get away from those plays. Sure, you you brought up a great point. I, I want to talk about Lippitt here for a second. This guy, he's he's a big receiver, a physical guy, real hard to bring down in open space. We saw it during the game as well. Tell me about you, you know this kind of guy. Um, you know, we haven't really seen a, a big receiver in a dominant offense, you know, compared back to when, when Charles Rogers was even here. But I, I want to talk about more about this guy, Lippitt, and, and the throw from Maxwell. Was it more, you, you know, you always hear the saying, Josh, you always hear, if it hits the guy's hands, he should have caught the pass. But a lot of the throws were a little inaccurate. Maxwell was a little behind on a couple throws to Lippitt. Was it really more of Maxwell or Lippitt on these throws and these turnovers? It, it's tough to say. I, I think that Lippitt uh, took a little bit, uh, of blame probably more than he, than he should have. He, he, he made a couple bad plays, but there's a reason why Maxwell was throwing to him. There's a reason why he was so wide open on both of those right. those turnovers. It's, be, it's because this guy's an athletic freak. He's six foot three, six foot four, and has blinding speed. And those are the types of things you're going to get from a kid that's in his first big time game as a starting receiver. I think he's going to be exceptionally good going forward, uh, particularly because he's going to be playing alongside uh, Sims and Fowler, who are both big. Uh, athletic, speedy guys, and with Le'Veon on the backfield, he'll get opportunities one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And he showed in that opener that when he gets those opportunities, he can get open. Yeah. Oh, great point, Josh. Uh, for those of you just tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap, Josh Mansour, MSU State News football beat writer on the air with us today. Uh, Josh also wrote an article um, earlier this week. It was actually two days ago. It was For Whom the Bell Tolls. Talks about Le'Veon Bell and the role that he punished Boise State in that in that game with 44 carries, 210 yards, and two touchdowns, and even more, both career highs. Uh, Josh, I want to ask you, we saw this guy basically be a freak of nature that first game hurdling guys, spinning away from people, and impossible to bring down for this defense. They had so much trouble containing him. Is, is Le'Veon Bell the real deal? Is this guy a Maxwell candidate, a Heisman candidate for that matter? I, I, I hate that stuff. I hate that, that early uh, Heisman <laughs> hype. I think it's natural. It's what happens with Denard every year, mm-hmm. and, and it started as soon as that game ended. But, but I, I think you just got to take it one game at a time with him, and let's see what he does midway through the year, because... 44 carries is a ton of carries, mm-hmm. a ton of carries. And listen, Larry Caper carried the ball relatively well. He doesn't need, he being Bell, doesn't need 45 carries a night. And if they run him that much, he's going to be dead by the end of the year, and this will be a moot point. I, I think he was sensational. I think he helped that line, which was okay, look even better than okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gotten real shifty. That's the biggest growth in his game that I've seen from freshman year. In freshman year, he would just run right over people. Now he's hurdling people, spinning past people, juking people. Uh, he, he's great, and he's going to be a workhorse for this offense. But but I, I need to see a little bit more before I can start getting crazy with the awards talk. Right, absolutely. And and if, if, this, if this offense with Lippitt and Maxwell 
and the receiving doesn't get in contact and to perfection, I feel, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to rely a lot on this guy, Le'Veon Bell, during the year to carry this offense. I, I think that's definitely true, particularly early when they want uh, Maxwell to get his footing. I think the season uh, lays out pretty well for him after having a, a big uh, national TV game. They get the experience of a road game, but not necessarily a, a tough road crowd, but still that road experience next week. They come back home to play another nationally televised night game against Notre Dame. They've had that experience of playing one of those before. And, and during those times, it's going to be critical for Le'Veon Bell to really sort of be the constant barometer for that team to help get them through that so that when they get to the midpoint of the Big Ten season and Maxwell's more comfortable and those receivers are more comfortable, uh, Bell's help them stay sort of in that Big Ten title race. Josh Mansour, MSU State News football beat writer with us on the air. Josh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of the day with us to, to speak with us. I know you're busy over there at, at the State News. Um, any comments real quickly before you go on this Detroit Tiger team? They're pretty hot lately, but as of today, they, they lost that close game. Uh, I think it's classic Tigers. Pretty, <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead, you get swept by the Royals, uh, you sweep the White Sox, and then a listless uh, Indians team comes to town and you, you lose 3-2. to two. I, they, They've been that team the entire year. Uh, but I, I think that they've, they've turned a little bit of a corner. Starting pitching has been, been great. I think they said 12 of the last 13 games. They've mm-hmm. uh, allowed two earned runs or less from the starting pitching. So, so I think they've, they've turned a little bit of a corner, but, but you got to win two out of three against Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, we'll see from there. Josh, thanks so much again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon for sure. All right, thanks. Take care, Josh. All right, bye-bye. All right, so David, we heard it from Josh, his thoughts on the game, his thoughts on Le'Veon Bell. Now I want to hear the listeners. 517-432-3893. Is Le'Veon Bell the real deal here? Is he a Big Mac cover photo? Is this guy, you know, is this guy going to carry this MSU team and be up for an, a bunch of award conversations? It's the first game. We know it's early, but we got to ask the question. We've got to see what can happen with this MSU team if Andrew Maxwell doesn't work out well. To start, David, your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell and more Maxwell and more about that those turnovers that happen and, and more about the experience of that game. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with you. I think Le'Veon Bell will get it done. And just like Josh said over the phone, that they're going to rely on him these first couple games getting you know Maxwell's feet wet. You know, we got two night games at home. We got, like he said, not too tough in a way game against Central, not really a big stadium, but... You know, still got to get that away experience. I do like Le'Veon Bell. Like Josh said as as well, the 44 carries, that's going to wear him out if we're going to have to rely on that many carries for him each night. But overall against Boise, he did show what he can bring to the state football team. And without him, where where would the game have gone if we didn't have him putting up 220 yards, both our touchdowns? But Le'Veon Bell in the backfield is good. I think it's perfect for Maxwell as well. I mean, he did with the turnovers. There was a couple that were, you know, shaky off the defender's hands. I mean, off the wide receiver's hands into the defense. One was a pick six, which was very devastating, which kind of slowed the game down for a while until he turned it around in the second half. He ended up finding Sims for a couple good plays down the field. And Sims had the most receiving yards, I believe. He had 68 for six catches or something like that. Yeah. So it's it's nice that... He can go back to a guy that has the experience, and then Benny Fowler, and then a lot of people were questioning the young guns on the receiving end if that's going to be a problem. But I mean, you got experience now. They everyone's got the jitters out of their system. They're comfortable with what's going on. 
I think that it'll take the Notre Dame game to see what Maxwell can do through the air. I mean, they do have Central next week, which, I mean, if Le'Veon Bell is going to run against Boise like the way he did, he'll just trample over the Chippewas. Oh, absolutely. And I've got to ask you real quick um, about that, okay? So this team, they got the jitters out of their system. Now, did the defense really win it for that team, or was it a little extra, in your opinion? I think it was a little extra on the offensive side. I mean, I... The D did play well on the defense end of the ball, but then it kind of, you know, the pick six, not really their fault either. They're not on the field, but I mean, overall, they played well. All right, let's go to the air and see what the listeners have to say. You are on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this calling and where from? Uh, this is Chris. I'm from Lansing. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? Good, good. What did you want to comment on, on anything that we've talked about so far? Um, well, I first wanted to comment on the Le'Veon Bell thing and how many times he carried the ball. Yeah. Um, I really think, personally, that the Spartans are in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. if they had to rely on Le'Veon Bell to uh, carry the ball that many times to get him through a game like, for instance, Boise State. Sure. When I think Boise State, if you take a look at their defense as compared to the punishing defenses in the Big Ten, how is Le'Veon Bell going to be able to carry the ball even 30-plus times a game every game for the rest of the season to carry him? That's a great point, Chris, and I want to ask you, when we're playing this University of Michigan defense down the road, I want to ask your prediction. You brought up a great point. How is this guy going to match up against any Big Ten defense who's twice the size of Boise? They don't get guys from Idaho and around the surrounding areas. They got big guys from all across the country. I totally agree. Now, when they play this Michigan team, Chris, what are your thoughts on how he's going to match up against that defense? Um, You know, I, I think Michigan has a lot of weapons and bigger dudes that are able to, uh, you know... I, they, uh, you know, you know Michigan, from what I saw earlier, I mean, they did play Alabama, but I know Michigan, if it's anything like that, is probably might have trouble stopping the run this season because they did lose a couple big guys. But yeah. overall, I mean, I think it all just depends on how worn down Le'Veon Bell is going to be going into the game or how his health can hold up throughout the rest of these games moving forward. Chris from Lansing on the air, 517-432-3893 is the number. Feel free to call in at any point during the show. Chris, uh, you're up. That was a great point. Uh, is there any other issue on this team you want to talk about? Maybe a little bit about Andrew Maxwell and his first game? Um, I mean, from what I saw in the first half, I mean, I, was, I, I really didn't like it. Nothing really impressed me that much. In the second half, yeah, he did come out stronger than what it was in the first half. But, you know, it, it was his first game. And I think there's got to be some receivers that really starts stepping up and making it a little easier on a, on a quarterback that's young, you know, playing in his first game. Sure. Now, now, who's the best candidate, Chris, at, at receiver that's going to step up? Is, is Lippitt with his size the best candidate, or is it Fowler with more experience? I think always an experienced guy is going to be somebody that, you know, is going to be able to make it more comfortable for a quarterback of his age. But if you take a younger guy, Maybe that's somebody that he can start building a rapport with, and you know, maybe them two both can progress into something that you know is going to be better down the road. No, absolutely, Chris. Is there anything else you wanted to comment on before before we go off to a, a quick break, real quick here? Uh, no, I think I think I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you brought up some great points, Chris. I really appreciate you calling in. Hey. We've got our question of the week. When was the last time Miguel Cabrera missed a game due to injury? Chris, you have a chance to win some pita bucks here. Don't want to tell you how much, but it's it's pretty rewardful. So if you know the answer, any any guess if you had if you had to take a guess? Could you repeat the question, please? Yeah. When was the last time that Miguel Cabrera, the slugger himself, 
missed a game due to injury? Oh, um, I, I have no idea. All right. Hey, but if you looked that up online, you can maybe find the answer to that. Feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in at any point during the show. Chris, thanks so much for calling in on the show. We'll have you on, on again soon, I'm sure. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Take care. Yeah, my- Bye-bye. All right. So, David, we heard it from Chris. You know, he, he thought that with, with Le'Veon Bell touching the ball so much, how are, are these Big Ten defenses going to match up? And, and how is Le'Veon Bell supposed to carry the team that much? Now, do you see this happening a lot this season? Is this just a temporary thing, getting Maxwell ready? Or would you say that throughout most of the year, this team is going to have to rely on Bell? I think I think Maxwell is going to step up. He's going to have his moments. But yeah, I, but how do we know? We, we don't have no yeah, we, idea. We, yeah, exactly. So hopefully that he can step up and get comfortable with the system in the offense and his receivers. But yes, I think that MSU will be that run first team. A- absolutely. 30 minutes after the hour at the Spartan Sports Wrap. This is 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll see you in just a sec. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights at 10 p.m., get ready for The Mechanical Pulse, where we're spinning all the house, trance, drum and bass, electro, ambient, and remixed music you need to get the weekend started. You'll hear live interviews and DJs spinning straight from the Impact Studios and the best new music on the scene. So tune in every Friday night at 10 p.m. for Mechanical Pulse. Only on 88.9 The Impact. Have you ever considered donating your blood? If not, perhaps you might reconsider. By the time this announcement is through, 15 new people will need blood. In fact, blood is needed by one in every 10 hospital patients, and there is almost always a shortage. There is no substitute for human blood. It cannot be manufactured. It can only come from those willing to donate. To learn more or make an appointment, visit redcrossblood.org. Reconsider blood donation. It's about life. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Alex Sharg is your host, as usual, and to my left, David DeFever. He's back again this week. Uh, we just got done talking a little bit about MSU football. Just had our first special guest ever on the Sports Wrap, Josh Mansour, for this year. Uh, MSU State News football beat writer. Uh, he had some great thoughts about, about about this team and what the direction lies for them. We also had a caller, Chris, just call in, talk a little bit about Le'Veon Bell and how he's going to match up with these defenses. But I want to switch the tone now to this 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 University of Michigan game that, that happened this past night. And it's amazing that with, with Michigan, many analysts had this team being the favorite, David. A lot of guys, you know, a lot of even players in this league saw this Michigan team that do pretty well. And... With their uh, with their performance at Alabama, this team drops from the number eight ranked team to questionably, and this is this is just the ranking that's came out so far. But this team could easily drop past the top fifteen. Now, is this Michigan team? I mean, is Bama that good? Is Bama really just a, a powerhouse and yes. almost a professional team, or did Michigan really just look bad? The, uh, both <laughs> the the Crimson Tide is it's unbelievable to see the talent that comes out of that team each year. I mean, they gave a handful of guys to the NFL this past season, and then to come back and just show how much of a powerhouse they are against Michigan, who was ranked at a 
a very comfortable eight position, really uh, set the tone early in the beginning of the game. I mean, they they went uh, three and out on the first drive, and I think the next three offensive possessions they all had touchdowns. So they had to uh, you know shake the jitters out, I guess, for the first for the first offensive set, and then they come back with three straight touchdowns. Um, it was tough to watch Michigan struggle. I mean, not tough for me, but or any of us out here in East Lansing, but you could see how bad Michigan was struggling, especially with Alabama's run game. The number four, I, mm-hmm. his, uh, he's a freshman, and he had over he, 10 or 11 carries for over 100 yards. I mean, the guy is quick, had the moves, I mean, but the blocking up front on the on the Bama offensive line and what they have on the defense end, defensive end of the ball, they just gave Denard Robinson a struggle and really didn't give him a chance to, you know, make any big plays. He had the 171-yard uh, touchdown to his receiver, but, I mean, other than that, you really didn't hear much of Denard Robinson making those big plays, scrambling on his feet. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Is Bama the real deal? Is this Michigan team just bad? Uh, please feel free to call in at any point during the show or answer our question of the week again, once again. When was the last time Miguel Cabrera missed the game to injury? That was quite a while ago. Feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or feel free to call in as well uh, to answer that question and win some pita bucks for this week if you get that question correct. Um, you know, it's it's pretty good because the questions are a little difficult, David, but you know, the listeners, hey, they could look online, they could do their research, just like we did here at the Sports Trap. Yes, we did. And win some free pita bucks, maybe a free entree. So yeah. feel free to do that as well. We, as well, here at The Impact, appreciate the continued support uh, and remind listeners that they may win once per week. Uh, this is the pita pit uh, that you may win. Um, but I also want to bring up the fact that, that Michigan, the reason I want to know about this team is because there was an article written by Matt Charbonneau, okay, that these Michigan State players took aim at the University of Michigan on Twitter. And this goes back to Chad Johnson tweeting. This goes back, you know, as far as, 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 the, as the Michigan State, you know, huge win against Boise State. The Michigan State players, uh, for example, I'm going to read one of the tweets here, uh, quote, is this guy really a QB? I'll say my man at Tommy Vento 16 is a better QB. That is what Danikos Allen tweeted this past weekend. He referenced the Michigan State's walk-on quarterback, Tommy Vento, who's saying that he's better than Denard Robinson. Also, for example, I mean, is this tweet is this Twitter like way too much, David? Like, is this over the top? Or I mean, how do you sense is this building up to the rivalry? Are, are Michigan State, you know, with four it, straight wins challenging these guys? They they're pretty much shoving it in their face. As as they saw now, they watched Bama beat on them and why not, you know, sure. give it out a little bit on Twitter? I mean, I think the players, there's always that, you know, back talk to each other, especially the biggest rivalries. I mean, it's tough not to shy away from it. Absolutely. Let's go to the phones. You are on the FM Sports Wrap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hello. Hello? Yeah. Who is this and where are you calling from? My name is Bob. I'm calling from East Lansing. Bob from East Lansing. Welcome to the Sports Wrap. Uh, anything you wanted to call in on? Maybe you win a prize? Anything like that? Yeah, I was going to call out about how much Michigan just couldn't get it done yesterday. Yeah, please continue. Uh, you know, they just they just got rolled. Roll Tide. <laughs> yeah, they literally got rolled Tide. But uh, I, we were just covering an article, uh, Bob, about how, how Michigan State players are kind of coming at uh, these Michigan guys. Uh, also, Kyle Artinian, the safety, added on Twitter, quote, Bama, why are you such a bully? Let them get maybe a yard, end quote. Now, 
is this over the top? Is this is this Michigan State rivalry kind of enhanced here? Do you agree with this or? Uh, I've always felt like if Michigan was a girl, they'd be like an ugly girl. So mm. I'm not much of a fan. If you uh, if you had to give Michigan a name for an ugly girl, what would it be? Uh, it would either be like I don't know. What, what do you think about an ugly girl name? Mm. Uh, David, like ugly Anne. girl names for like Michigan. Like Anne or Ann Arbor or like. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so at the sports wrap here, Bob, we have to remain completely objective as possible, even though it may be hard. But uh, I, I'm say I, I, I could see your reference with the ugly girl there. I mean, the, the jerseys are you know a lot different than years past. Not saying it's good or bad or if it's uglier, but I mean that may enhance the ugly girl image. I, I could see why people may think that because of the jerseys. But uh, in terms of this Michigan team, besides for Denard Robinson just flat out not being able to play against this Bama team. Uh, what else about this team did you want to comment on? Uh, they're just not very good. All right, Bob. Hey, thanks a lot. I love the insight. I- I'll remember this. This girl, this this Ann Arbor. I mean, she she's quite a hoot. Thanks a lot, Bob. Bye bye. All right. So listen, David. We heard it from Bob over the air. This Michigan team just just is not pulling it through. Now, how about this defense when they play Michigan State? It. it, it Predictions right away. Let, let's start with predictions. Who's going to win this game? Is it Michigan State? Is it Michigan? I think if this is the year that Michigan does beat us, and, and this is just seeing this, the first game. This is just after watching the first sure. game, not seeing, not seeing how each team could progress. But after watching both teams, I think that the Spartans would trample all over U of M. I mean, what what the Crimson Tide. Um, exposed of the Michigan defense and how how to control Denard Robinson. That's that's how it is because he pretty much is their team. He runs that offense. They run on his style of play, him scrambling around, making plays how he needs to to get that offensive going. I mean, if you contain him with William Golston and the rest of the defensive line of Michigan State, we're going to run all over him. And, and Le'Veon Bell, after showing what he's done in the first game against Boise State, yeah, I mean, sure. they're just going to hand the ball off to him, and then if it happens, if the run games get shut down, we're going to have to go to the air. We'll we'll see, though. Sure. Let's go to the phones again. You are on the FM Sports Rep. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Bob again. You forgot to ask me the question. Oh, Bob. Oh, you're talking about the question of the week. The question of the week. Bob, when was the last time Miguel Cabrera was out of a game due to injury? Oh, due to injury. Due to injury. Hey, I'll give you maybe a little bit of a hint here. If if you look maybe to last year, it might be there. Uh, feel free to tweet Bob at any point during the show. Was it like with like August of last year? Like yeah, 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 yeah. You're pretty close. See if you can get it real quick. Uh, August. Let me guess here. Twenty fifth. Oh, you're close. You're within five days away. I'll give you <laughs> one more chance here, Bob. You can win some pita bucks. Get that free entree, Bob. Let's go here. Come on, five days. Is it the 30th or the 20th? Uh, I'm going to say the 30th. Oh, Bob. Oh, so close. So close. Hey, if you know the answer, tweet it in. If you tweet it before someone else, I'll maybe get you those pita bucks. All right, Bob? All right, bye. All right, bye, Bob. All right, so, David, now we got to switch the topic a little, bit, a little bit over to the Detroit Tigers. We covered a lot, a lot of Michigan State football, but I want to talk about this team. This team last night. Chris Sale versus Justin Verlander, a predominant pitching duel. The Tigers came out on top, you know. For those of you listening who did not catch the game, Verlander going over the top on Chris Sale, 
Uh, pitched eight innings over 100, about 130 pitches. Pitched him through eight innings, yeah. Yeah, and this guy was slated to come out after maybe seven, stuck it, stuck it through another inning. And, and the announcers were even saying on, the, on, on TV that, that this guy could easily, Dan Schulman was saying himself, he would not be surprised to see a guy like this go through nine innings. Like, oh, easily. And and you can tell when Verlander wants to do it, too. He wasn't ready to come out after six or seven innings last night, and he pulled through to get the Tigers all the way to the ninth. And he's not throwing. He's actually pitching. He's pitching. He's late innings. So that's also very amazing to see from, from any player. Exactly. Uh, just to start, before we get into this Tiger team, I want to comment about Brandon Inge because this guy... For those, the Tiger faithful, that say, oh, we should have kept in. Look how great he's doing on Oakland. You know what? I don't want to hear that. And, and, and to, to add on to that, you will be very happy to hear that Brandon Inge needs shoulder surgery. This guy is out now pretty much for good, activated from the disabled list. He felt it pop out of his socket after making a throw on Saturday. And pretty much, I mean, he might be done for quite a while. Season-ending surgery. Uh, he could pinch hit a little bit until then, but he's going to have season-ending surgery a big blow there for the Oakland A's after picking him up, but not really for the Tigers. It's great to see, you know, not to see the injury, David, but yeah. to see that, hey, Dave Dombrowski's moves do work out in the end. Yes, they do. All right, so so now the fact that we have Brandon Inge out of the games, uh, I do want to talk about this team. Uh, we've seen lately uh, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, these two guys lead the league in strikeouts. strikeouts. These two guys lead the American League in strikeouts, the top two. And they're both on the same team. Now, David, a lot of people are talking about Max Scherzer this year. This guy, you know, you know, the, the media is really hyping him up. There's an article written also, uh, um, you know, by the uh, by the Free Press today. This was written by John Lowe. The White Sox announcer last night came out and said that Max Scherzer, quote, that's the best pitcher I've seen since Verlander last year, end quote. And this guy is better than Weaver. This guy is better than any American League guy. So for this White Sox announcer, the top two pitchers in the American League are Verlander and Scherzer. Over Sabathia, over any dominant number one pitcher. Now, aside from that, last night, the announcers were very high on Scherzer, on, on Verlander as well. One of the announcers quoted, this could be the, this is almost a Nolan Ryan kind of guy. So, you know, Nolan Ryan kind of guy, you know, this guy pitched him in his 50s, you know, had a huge arsenal, kind of like Verlander. Now, I want to ask the listeners, feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. I got to ask, listen, is the media overhyping Detroit Tiger pitching, or is it just me? I mean, I've looked at this pretty, pretty well in, and I've seen these guys pretty high on these guys. Yeah, they're leading the league in strikeouts. They're a 1-2 guy. Scherzer's ERA isn't quite that great. It's not. And I've got to ask, is this a legitimate conversation to have? I mean, is the media a little bit, you know, over-exaggerating, you know, how dominant these guys have been this year, David? Or are these guys for real? Both ends, I I think they're overhyping them a little bit. And how they said Max Scherzer having uh, Justin Verlander 2011 season, that's hard to do. I mean, you can tell that Verlander isn't at his top in his numbers because his AL MVP last year with you know 25 wins correct yeah he's just almost to 15 now and Scherzer with 15 and 6 I believe I mean they're a great pitching combination to have and to hear all these good things about them is I I guess good to hear from the outside you know not us trying to say that you know they're the best in the league but I mean them being a one-two combo is going to be tough for teams to face 
for the rest of the season and if the Tigers make it in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's a good one-two combo to start with. And with them both on their games and getting their strikeout numbers up, it only brings hope for the Detroit Tigers to go farther in the playoffs. Sure, and speaking of that hope, let's see how far they get in the playoffs. What's your prediction right now? Is this is this a legitimate playoff team? Is this an ALCS team? Uh, I feel like they're getting there. I mean, we're coming down to the, the nitty-gritty of the season, like coming down to... Uh, taking that maybe wild card spot if it has to be that one or taking the division over the White Sox. We saw them lose to an easy two out of three or a sweep against Kansas City, which all those games were one one run games. Mm-hmm. And then we come in, we sweep the team we need to sweep, but now we come back to a Twins team and they beat us by a single run again. I mean, just like Josh said over the phone, it's the, it's the team we've seen all year. But we got to see how they're going to pick it up at the end so that we can, you know, cheer them on in the playoffs and hope for an ALCS, like you said. Yeah, yeah, key word there is hope. And I do want to comment because you said it. I mean, this team, we really don't know what's going to happen. But but I want to comment real quick on a guy named Avisael Garcia, okay? Avisael Garcia this guy has been getting a lot of playing time starting this weekend. He played his first major league game on Friday. And this is the team who, who's been in talks with second base all year. They got Infante. They've been in talks with their rotation all year, the rotation, the pitching rotation. They acquired Anibal Sanchez. Now they were having a little bit of talks about outfield, which frankly still puzzles me. Yes. And they go out and they promote a guy, Abisail Garcia, from double A and single A Erie. Highest he played was double A Erie, kind of similar to what Alex Avila was promoted in, you know, two years ago. Okay. And this guy comes in this past Friday, you know, starts in as 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 as, as an outfielder. He doesn't he doesn't bat, just there as a, as a fielder. And first game, he gets an RBI and and and, and he score he scores a run in his first game. Now, this is a guy, he's he's six four, very similar frame to Miguel Cabrera, yeah. also a native Venezuelan. Uh Tell me about your thoughts on this guy, what you've seen statistically so far. Uh, how do you balance this guy with Quentin Barry and Andy Dirks and the rest of the outfielders? And is this guy here to stay, or is this more of a test for a guy like this? This guy was thrown in a Chicago White Sox series. Yes, exactly. And, and, and September baseball. Yeah, and it's nice to see that he did get that run and he did get that RBI because, I mean, it gives the coaches a better look at what's this guy going to bring to the table. And to put him at, at a stage like against the Chicago White Sox, I mean, that shows how much trust Leland has in this guy. I mean, and you said the frame of Miguel Cabrera, just like 6'4", 240, and that guy's in the outfield. He better have some wheels. I mean, he, I see he had three hits over the series against uh, the White Sox, batting 429 reads right now. I mean, it's nice to see. I don't know if he's going to be here in the playoffs or if we're allowed to have him in the playoffs. I think he's an upcoming guy that we're going to throw in the rotation, kind of like testing out Barry and Dirks this year. We saw them make an impact for this Tigers team. And now to bring in Garcia late, I mean, we're just testing it out. We're seeing what other options we have for either the playoffs or this upcoming season. Of course. Now, Now, and even with those options, though, it, are there any more moves to be made for this team? Is this a set team? Is I, this is this what Dombrowski is going to go into with the last 10 games of the season and say, hey, guys, this is it. If you're not playing, you're out. I think this is the team. I don't think we're going to make any more moves. Depending on what he wants to do with that rotation in the outfield, that will be hard to decide. I mean, I like Jackson, Young, and Barry being out there with Andy Dirks in the rotation. I mean, I don't like Dalman Young in the outfield, but with 
how good he's been hitting lately, even though I always say he always swings at the first pitch, which he has been, but he always, he's getting home runs, he's getting runs, and that's what you that's what we're asking for out of him. No, no, absolutely. Those expectations are there. Uh, 517-432-3893 is the number. If you think this Tiger team is set, what are they going to do with this rotation? Thoughts about Avisael Garcia? Uh, direct them all at us or tweets at 89FM Sports Rap as usual. If you want to answer our question of the week, which is when was the last time Miguel Cabrera was was out of a game due to injury? Injury, the key word. So if you know the answer to that, you have the potential to win some Peter Bucks. Today's winner will receive a gift certificate courtesy of Peter Pitt. More information can be found online, www.peterpitt.com. The Impact would like to thank Peter Pitt, Peter Pitt excuse me, for their continued support and remind listeners they may win once per week. So if you know the question, uh, last caller Bob actually was pretty close. He came within the year. It was last year at some point that he was out. Uh, I just got to name the date of that sometime in August. So if you know August blank at this day and year, Tweet or call in for your chance to win Peter Bucks. So, David, we talked a little bit about this Tiger team. I want to switch now to this Detroit Lions team because there's some big news today coming out of this Lion organization because the Lions made their cuts. They, 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 they cut their roster down to the 53 that they needed. And on the roster, Kellen Moore, the former Boise State quarterback, was kept on this Lion team. Now, this Lion team, they already have, you know, a vacated amount of quarterbacks, you know, there, there are these open spaces that are already pretty much filled. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got Matthew Stafford, you've got, you've got Hill, and now you've got Kellen Moore and, uh, you know, Hill, one of the best backups, you know, in the league. And now you've got a guy like this. Was this a smart keep by, by Jim Schwartz? Is this a relevant keep? Um, I think so with how the Lions have dealt with injury to the quarterback position lately in the past couple of years. I do like Kellen Moore. I was a big fan of him in college when he was over at Boise. I see him more as a uh, he's a finesse quarterback, sits in the pocket, finds the open receiver. He's got really good accuracy. So, I mean, we'll see if he's going to get any playing time with the injury, if any happened this year to Matthew Stafford or Sean Hill, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to see him uh, take a few snaps in the regular season. Hopefully, and let's go to the phones. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this? Way I calling from? Hi, how you doing? This is James. I'm just calling from the freeway actually right now. Uh, I just had an answer to the question. Yeah, James. Uh, it was August 20th, 2011. Hey, James, congratulations. You will be winning some pita bucks. Uh, feel free to come into the station anytime to pick those up. They're down at Holden Hall is the station. It's WDBM, the impact. So, hey, James, congratulations. Anyone you want to thank real quickly on the air? Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys. Thank Peter Pitt. And uh, that's it, yeah. <laughs> All right, James, thanks so much for calling in. James, uh, while I have you on the air real quick on the freeway, I'm sure there's a lot of traffic on there. Uh, especially with Labor Day, but it's actually it's actually not that bad, believe it or not. Oh no way! Hey, you know why? It's probably because Michigan State, you know, cleared Boise out of there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but 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 honestly though, uh, this Lion team, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about your knowledge on this Detroit Lion team this year, but uh, what's your thoughts? The Lions kept a third QB. They kept Kellen Moore. They signed these defensive backs. How good is this team going to be in their first game? for me to say because I really don't follow football that much but I mean we had a pretty good you know we had a pretty good season last year so 
I mean, I feel like we're in store for something very similar, if not better. All right, James. James, before you go, I just need to know where you're from so I can put you on this Pita Pit giveaway. Uh, I'm from, well, like where I live up here. I'm from like Harper Woods, technically, but uh, East Lansing. All right. All right, James, thanks so much for calling in. I hope you tune in for later weeks. And feel free to feel free to call to call or follow us on Twitter at 89FM Sports Rap. Thanks a lot, yeah, James. For, for All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So, David, we heard it from James. August 20th of last year, last time Miguel Cabrera was out due to injury. Uh, David, now back to this Lions team. We've got eight minutes to go here on the show. Uh, the Lions also making a splash, besides the fact that they kept Kellen Moore. They make a splash. They sign cornerback Drayton Florence. They they make a trade. They give away a third round pick. You know, and and they add you know they add Graham as well. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Kevin Barnes. Uh, Kevin Barnes was also known for making the hit on Javid Best of last year. Last year, he 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 rocked a hit on Javid Best. Oh, actually, this was four years ago. Uh, rock to hit on job at best. Uh, you could follow this anywhere on YouTube. Uh, it's up over the internet everywhere. This guy rocked job at best. And now it's ironic. He's coming to a Lions team that he's on. So yeah. <laughs> so I got to ask you, when you look at these cornerbacks, they started off with Chris Houston. They lost all these guys, these these quote-unquote bad boys of Detroit due to, you know, getting pulled over, DUIs, marijuana possession. And now you've got a guy like Kevin Barnes and and you get a guy named Drayton Florence, a veteran who who's, who has played a lot before. Now you've got these guys coming to the secondary after losing a flurry of different players. How would you grade the secondary from an A plus to an F? How good is this secondary now? I'd say a B minus B plus area. I mean, before with all the off season issues, we were probably at a C almost to a D just because of how many people were getting in trouble on the lines. But to see Florence and Kevin Barnes come to a team like this, especially Kevin Barnes, like you said, having a hit on Javid Best, maybe they'll become buddies now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's looking up for them. It'll add to the whole. Uh, Nadon McKinsu on the defensive line. Um, like you said, in Florence, a veteran, that's someone that you need on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that they're going to do well in their first game up against the Rams. I think they're going to take it to them. They, played, they didn't play the Rams last year, but they did two years ago and pretty much walked all over them. But we'll see what uh, Matthew Stafford can do on the offensive end, what the D can do. And the Rams do have Sam Bradford, so depending on his how his injury has healed from this past season we'll uh, we'll see what the Lions can do. Hey, and you said it before. This team with these cornerbacks, you said B minus B plus and, and we've seen what Calvin Johnson can do, but I asked the listeners as well. With these cornerbacks in this defensive backfield, how much will this Detroit Lions team rely on that unit to get things done? Does this unit dictate how this team does on defense and even the year? Or or for example, Let's say Calvin Johnson comes in, has a 200-yard game. Stafford gets 500 yards. They, they put up 35 points. Now, let's say this defense, they let up a flurry of different points. Their front seven just isn't that great. Now you have to look at the de- defensive backfield. How much will this defensive backfield, David, how much will this impact how this team will do on defense? It is, because if, if the run game shuts down, teams are forced to go to the air, and that's when you're going to really see the test of the veteran cornerback and Kevin Barnes on the outside. And hopefully they'll be healthy all year as well. We I don't know how their past season injuries have been or anything, but if we can get two guys that will stay in, play a full game, and not have any injuries, I, I see this defense doing really well. I don't see the 
the four, the front four of the Lions defense getting walked over this season. I, I'm sure we'll see a couple plays where they miss assignments and miss gaps and stuff like that. But I'm really, I'm really hyped about this the, the, uh, the defensive line that the Lions have. Awesome, awesome. And for those of you listening, the Lions have their first game this Sunday, September 9th, 2012. It's one o'clock p.m. is the start. They're playing the St. Louis Rams. It's going to be quite a game. The Rams are also struggling in years recently. And, you know, it remains to be seen. 517-432-3893 is the number if you want to call in about this Lion team. We do have three minutes left of the show. Uh, before we go, though, I do want to talk a little bit about our goon of the week this week. Uh, in, in terms of future weeks, we've had Chad Ochocinco headbutting his, his quote-unquote wife, who's now a divorcee. Uh, we've had, as far as, as you know, uh, Roger Clemens trying to get back to the majors, avoiding steroid testing. We've had Melky Cabrera lying to everybody. And now this week, we have, I can't say this over the air, we, we have a very dumbfounded player. Uh, this guy uh, from Kent State, he returns a muff punt. So what happened was uh, a guy punted it. This was actually on ESPN Sports Center's number one, not top 10 play of the week. A guy punted the ball. And this guy from Kent State, he, uh, he he runs up, you know, he tries to get the guy receiving it. He's on the punt team. The guy receiving it misses the ball, but it hits his hand. So at this point, anyone can recover the football. And this Kent State player on special teams recovers the football, turns around around the corner, dodging tackles, runs the other way like 60 yards down the field. The guy completely runs the wrong way down the field. And we've seen it time and time again. We've seen players drop the ball before they get into the end zone. They've we've seen players, you know, try to go slam a ball on on the on, you know on the field goal post and miss it. And we've seen it as far as Chad Johnson, you know, doing uh you know doing Irish dancing. And now we have a guy running the wrong way on a football field. David, uh, in terms of goons that we've seen in recent weeks, how bad is this? This is. This gets up there because you're in college football. You need to know what end is yours, where you just came from to see. I mean, when you're on the punt routine, I played football way back in June, like in middle school. But when you're punting, you are cruising down the field at whoever's receiving. And for him to recover a fumble and to just turn that momentum all the way around the other way, it's hard, it's hard to, to hear it or to even see it that a college player could even do that. Oh, absolutely. And besides for even being able to see or do that, there comes the point of his his his, his in game mental capacity. I mean, there's so much drive, there's so much energy. There's there's all this emotion built up in you during the game. You know, when you get hit on the field, you don't really feel it because of all the jitters and you know you know all that intensity during the game. But this guy, I mean, this seems like something that is a little league. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and again, it's very dumbfounded to see by a guy like this. Closing off the show, I want to thank Peter Pitt for their continued support on the impact. Oh, I also want to thank David as well for for hosting. And, we've, of course, we've got Dylan, who's behind the screen there running the boards as usual. And to comment, MSU basketball schedule was just released today. They do get a tough draw. They've got Kansas, Connecticut, Texas, and a trip to Miami, Florida. They also got Michigan, Ohio State, and Indiana twice, twice, playing them twice. And they've also got one game apiece against Penn State, Northwestern, Iowa, and Illinois. All great programs, but that will remain to be seen how well this team can do. I'm Alex Shark. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. This is 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. And to my left is... David DeFever. And listen, we will be back next Monday once again. We'll see you next week. Go green, go white. Have a great week, everybody.
You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.